Life is full of awesome what ifs and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out of pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. Hello and welcome to Policy Forum Pod, the podcast for those who want to dig a little deeper into the policy challenges facing Australia and its region. I'm Martin Pearce. Policy Forum Pod is produced by policyforum.net and we are based at Crawford School of Public Policy, Asian Pacific's leading graduate policy school. And if you're keen to make a change in your career and get into policymaking, then there's no better place to come and study. Join us for a Master of Public Policy at Crawford's beautiful surrounds. You can find out more about us and a range of degree courses at crawford.anu.edu.au forward slash study. We're just about to dive into this week's topic, but before we do, we wouldn't want to miss the opportunity to invite you to join the pod squad. That's you, our listeners, plus our presenters and some of our panellists. We'd love for you to join our little community on Facebook. You can find us there as Policy Forum Pod, and there is no better time to join because we're just about to record the third episode of Ask Policy Forum. I'm really looking forward to this. This is the special series where you get to ask the questions and we've created it to give give you a chance to ask whatever questions that might matter to you. So please don't be shy. You can ask us anything from hard-hitting policy questions to our panelists' favorite comfort food recipes. So get onto your keyboards, type in Policy Forum Pod into the search bar on Facebook and hit join. We can't wait to hear from you. This is National Volunteer Week in Australia, and National Volunteer Week is a great chance to recognize the amazing work that volunteers do. Volunteers are truly the lifeblood of the communities that they work in. Every week, huge numbers of Australians give their time free of charge to help out in a wide range of causes. But the coronavirus crisis has consigned most of us to our homes. And as you'll hear today, that's had a huge effect on volunteers and the organisations that depend on them. So on this episode, we want to take a look at volunteering in Australia and particularly how COVID-19 has reshaped the landscape of volunteering in the country. And just in time for National Volunteer Week, ANU researchers have published a new study together with Volunteering Australia looking into the experience of volunteers during the early stages of the COVID-19 pandemic. And we've invited one of the authors of the report, Professor Nicola Spittle, to join us in our virtual studio today. Nick is the Associate Director of the ANU Centre for Social Research and Methods and the Director of the newly created Policy Experiments Lab. Hello, Nick. Welcome back to the podcast. Thanks for having me on. And we also have the CEO of Volunteering Australia with us, Adrienne Picconi. Uh, prior to being CEO of Volunteering Australia, she was the CEO of Volunteering Tasmania, and she's got over 15 years' experience as a volunteer manager, trainer, and management consultant. Hello, Adrian. Thanks for joining the podcast. It's great to be here, Martin. It's great to have you both with us today. Now, before we dig deeper into COVID-19 and volunteering, I'd like to get a bit of a snapshot of volunteering in Australia sort of prior to the coronavirus crisis. Adrian, when we talk about volunteering, what do we actually mean? Who are volunteers and what kind of roles are they performing? Yeah, it's a great question. And what the way we describe, we, we define volunteering at Volunteering Australia is time willingly given for the common good without financial gain. 
So, so long as an activity meets those three criteria, uh, we will call it volunteering. And what we know is, um, and we generally, most of our uh, data comes from the census and from the General Social Survey. And what that tells us is that nearly 6 million Australians um, give time to the community um, each year as a volunteer. But what I always like to say about that is we believe that's just the tip of the iceberg because what we capture um, as part of the census is that formal volunteering that happens in a not-for-profit setting. And what we know about volunteering, of course, is that it happens everywhere in our community. It happens in environmental organisations, in education, in the arts, in sporting groups, and emergency services, as well as community welfare. And quite often, volunteering that happens outside of those um, formal settings, so the volunteering, when I say formal, I'm thinking of volunteering that happens in an organisation like Red Cross or Salvation Army, for example. Quite often what we find is that um, in that informal volunteering is that people are just doing it as part of children's activities or doing it as part of their hobbies or passions. And often they don't even call themselves volunteers. And that's why we say it's just the tip of the iceberg, because it really just captures that formal volunteering. But in actual fact, you know, volunteering is going on around us every day, everywhere. Now, Nick, the, what Adrian was talking about there in terms of six million volunteers and that only being really the sort of tip of the iceberg, that's a huge proportion of the Australian population. So in terms of the economy, what was the role of the volunteers in Australia's economy before COVID-19 here? Yeah, no, that's a good question. And and clearly, uh, volunteers bring much more than just kind of economic benefits. Uh, but the economic benefits aren't uh, small, they're very large. Uh, so while it's quite difficult to estimate, I think the uh, most recent estimate I've seen is about $46 billion to uh, the Australian economy from uh, the contribution which volunteers make. And as Adrian said, that's really just uh, those who uh, respond uh, to the questions on surveys, which are always a little bit hard to tease out. Uh, and I think it's a really good point that some people, when asked in a survey, uh, in just a, sim- a simple question, we think, no, I'm not a volunteer, I'll mm-hmm. say no, uh, when the reality is they do, they are performing activities which not only have economic benefits, but also have a kind of social benefits. And I think the other thing which is worth kind of keeping in mind uh, is that these benefits aren't distributed evenly across the population or across the economy. So the benefits of volunteering, for the most part, uh, not exclusively so, but are felt by those who are most vulnerable in the community. Uh, So while volunteering has a large effect uh, across Australia, the effects are likely to be greater for those who need it most. Now, COVID-19 has cost almost 1 million people their jobs in Australia alone, and it's pushed millions more into unpaid care work. And of course, it's impacted volunteers as well. Nick, your study looks specifically at their experience. But before we drill down further into that, what sort of time period did you consider in that study? And what was it hoping to capture? Our data comes from the Life in Australia panel, and that's essentially a, uh, a, a longitudinal data set where panel members answer a survey uh, every month. Uh, and as part of the profile of our panellists, uh, we have a question which we ask um, to, to keep it, we ask reasonably regularly to keep it updated as whether you've undertaken any volunteering for an organisation or a group over the last 12 months. Uh, and according to our data, uh, about 36% of adult Australians uh, 
had said that they'd um, that they were volunteers uh, at least uh, for some point in time over the previous twelve months. So that was kind of our baseline data. Uh, and then when we uh, ran, uh, we ran the survey in January. Ran the survey in February. Uh, we asked some questions about subjective well-being, about economic outcomes. Uh, and then when um, we were designing our survey uh, during the start of the the, the spread of COVID nineteen, uh, we added an additional question about whether someone said they'd stopped volunteering uh, over the previous two months. So essentially, as of mid-April, had someone stopped volunteering? Uh, during the uh, since the start of February, and so in in big picture terms, what were the key findings of the report? Yeah, so in terms of who stopped, uh, we found almost two thirds of the self reported volunteers uh, had stopped volunteering uh, or or undertaken any other unpaid uh, work uh, in the previous two months. Now that's a massive drop. Uh, so. Uh, we estimate, and these are estimates, so that equates to uh, a drop of about 12 million hours per week of volunteering activity. Uh, and to put that in perspective, uh, the drop in paid work is about 50, 56 million hours. Uh, so uh, the drop in volunteering on top of that represents a very large decline in uh, socially beneficial activity uh, during COVID-19. Uh, we also found that there was some differences in who stopped uh, volunteering. Uh, so female volunteers were slightly more likely to have stopped. And quite importantly, uh, older Australians were, were much more likely to have stopped volunteering than uh, volunteers who were, who were slightly younger. So if you look at the 65 plus and the 75 plus age group, almost three quarters of, of volunteers in that age group said they'd stopped uh, over the previous two months. Uh, and that's a very large, not only a decline in the benefits which those individuals are bringing to society as a whole, but there's all that also translates into a decline in the in the well-being and the outcomes of the volunteers themselves. So, while the contribution of volunteers to Australia is large, the contribution to the volunteers themselves is also large. Uh, so, there's very strong evidence from the literature that those people who engage in volunteering have a greater sense of meaning, a greater sense of purpose. Uh, it improves well-being. It increases social interaction, and the decline in volunteering uh, has coincided with a drop in well-being and other measures for. Um, for those who who were volunteering prior to the spread of COVID-19. Now, it strikes me it was quite an interesting time to do this study because the coronavirus crisis followed almost immediately after the bushfire crisis. Mm. You know, and anecdotally, I, I think that um, there was a, a strong community urge to volunteer as a result of the bushfire crisis. So what has been the sort of picture of volunteering over the over the first few months? How has that changed? So uh, we didn't find a uh, decline or change in well-being for volunteers, which is any different to the rest of the population during the bushfire crisis. So in some ways, there's almost two crises, as you as you kind of alluding to. The bushfire crisis, which led to, didn't lead to a decline in uh, well-being or, or volunteering for those who said they were beforehand, uh, as opposed to COVID-19, uh, which not only led to a large drop in, in volunteering, but also led to a, a very large decline in subjective well-being for those who were volunteering. So 
part of that, I think, is as you said, the um, the the sense to which the response to the bushfires was a community led response, uh, as opposed to the response to COVID nineteen, which is retreat into the household uh, and withdraw from social activity. So two crises of very large effects playing out for volunteers and non-volunteers very differently. Adrian, as as someone who works with people in the field, what are you hearing about how volunteers have been impacted by the crisis and how volunteering roles have been impacted by, for example, social distancing requirements? Yeah, and it's look, it's been a, it's really it's been a fascinating time and period in history, and um, because volunteers, have, of course, have just been thrown into the spotlight like never before. You know, I think you. Know, I feel like one. You know, sort of key messages for an organisation like Volunteering Australia have always been around the power of volunteering, and that that volunteers are are a workforce. They may be unpaid, but they contribute so much. You know, socially, culturally, and environment. I mean, and economically. Um, and I, often, you know, we we find it hard to kind of get that message across. Whereas I think really what we've had in the last sort of six or eight months is is two examples of how we actually would not have been able to survive, literally, quite literally, without without the volunteer workforce. And of course, you know, the experience during the fires was that um, sort of there was a few ways in which volunteers were involved. So on the one hand, we had the the trained volunteers, so the fireys and the SES volunteers. Who was stepping up, literally saving saving lives, saving homes, being you know very active, often working very long hours and making a massive contribution uh, to their communities. And then we had, on the other hand, we had volunteers sort of stepping up as part of the recovery process. So joining with organisations like Rotary or Red Cross or Salvation Army, and actually you know helping with the cleanup phase as well. So we've kind of got volunteers you know, really making that a massive contribution. And then the experience of COVID has actually been quite different from a volunteering perspective. And certainly what we found in those really early days was that there were sort of two experiences that volunteering involving organisations had in those early days. On the one hand, we we heard around sort of 80% of volunteering involving organisations actually closed their doors, sent their volunteers home, um, and then we had those sort of that 20% who were actually being asked to ramp up their services because they were deemed essential services. Um, and then, of course, they had a, a, a very different problem around having to find more volunteers to manage um, an increased demand in their services. So it's been a really different experience. And for those um, those organisations that have had to stand down their volunteers, that sort of um, concerns for them around how to maintain relationships with their volunteers during the, the period of lockdown because they don't want to get to the end of COVID-19 and then find that they don't actually have any volunteers to restart their program. How could they actually sort of maintain those warm relationships with their volunteers, if you like, so when they did need to restart, they could do that sort of quickly and easily. Indeed, that would be a real challenge for those organisations. But let's take a quick break there now, but we'll be back in a moment to talk more about how these changes that volunteering and volunteers are facing are currently playing out and what they might look like in the future. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bombas socks, underwear and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. 
Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas, big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. Hi, I'm Mark Kenny. Each week on the Democracy Sausage Pod, we serve up fresh, meaty analysis of Australia's politics and policy and chew the fat with some of the country's leading experts. It's the podcast for those who like sizzling scrutiny with just a touch of sauce. You can find Democracy Sausage on iTunes, Spotify or at policyforum.net slash podcasts. Welcome back. I'm still here with Nick and Adrian. Now, I'd like to turn to the impact of COVID-19 on volunteering and what what that means for society. Adrian, the measures that the Australian government has put in place to combat the spread of the virus do seem to be working, but there are still many things we don't know about COVID-19 and how prevalent it actually is in our societies. Do volunteers feel safe to do their work under the current circumstances? Yeah, look, I think that's something that's certainly become more obvious to all of us um, during this period and, and that, you know, that we do talk about volunteers as, as a workforce. But I guess that the, the thing that we need to keep in mind is that they have, that organisations have the same obligations to volunteers as they do to paid employees. So we have a duty of care not to um, have volunteers in, in, in an unsafe working environment. And that's something that's been of great, great concern to a lot of organisations, which is why, which is why they often needed to close their doors. And there's some real concerns now, I guess, for organisations, um, about one, about the safety of those that are, that are still uh, volunteering, uh, particularly those in essential services. But two, about the impact of the mental health of the volunteers that have actually been stood down. Of course, a lot of people volunteer uh, because, you know, they, it's a way of them having of networking, of them getting out of the house, having those sort of social interactions. If they're not having that, what sort of impact is that having on those volunteers who, who are at home self-isolating um, on, in terms of their own uh, mental health and, and well-being? So there, there's some real concerns there from um, some organisations that we've been speaking to. Now, in the volunteering report, Nick and his co-author, Matthew Gray, found that 41% of those aged 65 and over reported that they'd undertaken some form of volunteering over the past 12 months leading up to the end of 2019. Now, that is also one of the most vulnerable age groups to COVID-19. So how could the pandemic impact their participation in the long run? Do you think that those, those sort of older volunteers will come back? to the volunteer organisations where they were giving their time? Well, certainly I hope they do um, because I think that they are such an important demographic in terms of volunteering. But I think there's some real concerns that they won't. And I think that one of the things that a lot of organisations will need to consider is how to re-engage with volunteers, particularly those in the older cohorts post-COVID. And, you know, one of the things that's emerged um, during this time is that we've seen organisations become a lot more innovative in the ways that they can still deliver some services, but also in the ways that they keep their volunteers engaged. You know, and I'm thinking, for example, um, organisations that run uh, so like a home visiting program, 
you know, so one of the things that they've done is adapt that service so they can still actually meet the needs of their clients, but not necessarily face-to-face. They can do that by writing letters to clients, by doing online services, by doing uh, phone calls, for example. And potentially, if if they are to adapt their programs, that is something that could still be something that an older volunteer could do, but that, but still feel safe as well. Nick, you mentioned before that your study found about two-thirds of volunteers have had to stop due to COVID-19 or the equivalent of 12.2 million hours per week. Sounds to me like it's going to have a pretty significant impact on Australia's society and economy. What does that look like? Yeah, so I think what that really shows is is that firstly how important volunteering was to start with, uh, which we sometimes do overlook, uh, but also that the what I think is important is that the distribution of those who have stopped uh, is different to the distribution of those who've continued. Uh, and certainly the types of volunteering or the organisations which rely on either older Australians, uh, those who might have um, uh, their own health conditions, or I guess people who are going to be placed in a or, or feel a degree of financial stress and financial anxiety, uh, they're the they're the roles, they're the organisations which are going to be affected most by the drop in volunteering from uh, COVID nineteen. Uh, and I think Adrian makes a really good point uh, about the the way in which organisations. Uh, need to try to adapt uh, to make use of a more of a, an online uh, or um, at least socially distanced form of, of volunteering. Uh, and I think the, the example which came to my mind was uh, the the very rapid change in general practitioners who uh, have adapted to a telehealth, the delivery of telehealth. Now, there's certain services which or roles which volunteers play which can be adapted, uh, but there's many which can't. Uh, And I think uh, those which can't be adapted uh, as a society or as a government, I guess we need to find ways to to fill that gap somehow because, as I said right at the start, those who rely on volunteers the most are often those who are most uh, disadvantaged in the community. Adrian, from Nick's remarks about the huge losses uh, for Australia, would you say that the country's economy has become too reliant on volunteers? Oh, so it's a, it, look, it's a good question. I mean, how long is a piece of string kind of question, I guess. I guess from my point of view, um, volunteers obviously make a contribution economically and in other ways as well. But their contribution is just so much more. And I think I'd just like to use that example from the fires where you might recall there was a lot of um, debate at the time about whether volunteers should be paid. Um, And I think some quite high-profile people, particularly within the fire service, came out saying that no, volunteers shouldn't, shouldn't be paid, that people do volunteer for a whole range of reasons, and they don't do it because they want to get paid. They do it because they want to contribute, they want to connect with their community, and they want to make a difference for their community. I think if we, you know, if we didn't have volunteering, and that's just, and when I talk about volunteering, it's, you know, I think the benefits are for the recipients, for the clients or the recipients of volunteers, for the community, 
but also for the volunteers themselves. And that was an interesting part of the research, um, I think, Nick, which was around the, the mental health benefits of people who maintained volunteering or a role, a volunteer role um, during the COVID-19 experience. So I, I think we are reliant on volunteer volunteers, but I think it's also about how we value that contribution and how we reposition the, con- the conversation. And it's about us not taking volunteers or volunteering for granted. And what are the, some of the ways that we, we could actually value that contribution? I mean, some are suggesting that the pandemic should be an opportunity to sort of rethink and reshape both national and global uh, economies. Where does volunteering fit into those types of discussions? What, what could and should volunteering look like coming out of the immediate pandemic danger? Yeah, I mean, look, I think it's this is the time for us to be really breaking with the past and and really reimagining the future and, and what our world could actually look like in the future. And, you know, I, th- I feel like in the past, um, volunteers have been almost invisible and taken for granted, um, that we've seen volunteers as just sort of, you know, altruistic um, and that they're just, it's just a particular group of people and that we sort of, you know, we pat the volunteers on the head and we, we sort of say thank you. Um, National Volunteer Week, for example. But, you know, I, I think it's about us recognising that that volunteering is around us every day. It makes a massive contribution. And, you know, I think it's not just um, it's not just economically. It is about the, men- you know, think about the mental health benefits of volunteering. I mean, it's actually a preventative health measure. If we were to start to think about volunteering as a preventative health, health measure, one that doctors prescribed, you know, as as a way of sort of you know um, alleviating mental health uh, issues, if we were to think about it as an actual workforce that makes a massive contribution, I think we would start to then think about it more strategically, like how we can grow volunteering, how we can invest in volunteering, how we can make it easy for people to get involved, how we can make sure that when they do get involved, that they're safe and they can be as effective as possible. Um, it's not. It's it's about stopping taking volunteering for granted and seeing this as a serious force for good. So, Martin, I might add something to that as well, which I think is is quite important. Is is that COVID nineteen has also created demand for additional services from volunteers, which kind of weren't there beforehand. So, if you think of people who are in self isolation who need help with shopping, uh, people who aren't able to undertake the same form of physical interaction which they would uh, pre-COVID-19 requiring or or benefiting from uh, some forms of online interaction which might not have have, um, happened in the past. Uh, And also I think the the very large decline in employment, which we also see in our survey, paid employment, uh, is also going to mean that there's an increased demand for volunteering as we learn to live with COVID-19. And I think it's while at the moment, uh, at least in in parts of, in Australia at least, uh, we're thinking about relaxing of restrictions and and a little bit more um, uh, social interaction outside. The reality is for the next six to 12 months, uh, at the very least, uh, there's going to be a very different uh, Australia than it was before. And I think volunteers can play uh, an ongoing role in that, in, in, in the services or, or, the, or, or what they provided beforehand, uh, but also new services and new roles, which we should 
as Adrian said, not only support, but also um, recognize and, and value. Mm. Nick, I mean, we've seen through the COVID-19 crisis something of a reclassification as to what society sees as essential workers. I mean, health workers are the most clear example of this. Do you think that there's any chance that society might come out the other side of this crisis with with that kind of new value of, uh, of of the contribution and the work that volunteers do? It's very hard to kind of predict the the future, but one uh, bit of data which I think is is quite germane to that point is we asked in both February and April about the trust uh, which Australians have for the rest of of the Australian population, uh, and what we found similarly it increases in trust both for volunteers and for non volunteers, uh, and what that shows to me is a greater acceptance uh, or even a reliance on others uh, due to the spread of COVID-19. And that's already been borne out in our data. Uh, and I don't expect that to return to, to kind of pre-COVID levels. So we as Australians are more trusting of others. Uh, we're more likely to think that other Australians are helpful. Uh, and we're more likely to think that other Australians are fair than, than even just three months ago. Uh, and what I think that suggests to me is is a potential for uh, volunteers to step into some of the gaps uh, as long as they are receiving that that support and it's safe to do so. But there seems to be, at least from our data, a, a greater appetite for from Australians for uh, help and support from others. Now, this has been a fascinating discussion, but before we finish up, I'd like to ask both of your advice to all of the policy makers that are listening now. Coming out of this crisis, what policies should we be putting in place to support and encourage volunteering? Perhaps, Adrian, if I can start with you. Yeah, well, it's it's um it's a, it's a it's a really good question and and I think it's a really important one for us to consider because I I feel like we're at a bit of a sort of a tipping point moment right now and and I guess you know I'd be certainly encouraging policymakers to just temporarily press pause when we're in this sort of period between you know response and sort of moving into a recovery phase so what can we actually what do we want to stop what that we that we don't want to do that we've done in the past you know and what do we want to start and what do we want to do differently now that we've had the the learning opportunities from covid-19 um, and i certainly would say for policymakers it is about um, digging deep and uh, and investing in volunteering and valuing volunteering as a workforce and Certainly something that we would like to see progressing at the federal government level is a statement around volunteering, a volunteering statement. So we actually have, you know, sort of a public statement about this serious contribution and this serious workforce and how we can grow this and invest in it um, and, and maintain it. Um, you know, really, the thing that I think from, volu- from COVID-19 is that we've seen is that People have been finding new and different ways of connecting with each other. And what we're seeing is this sort of this common humanity and this common way of connecting and of being together is really what's important for all of us. 
you know, that's what volunteering is about. It's about connection, it's about belonging, and it's about contributing and making the world a different place. So we we would really encourage policymakers to, to take this seriously and find ways that we can grow this and, and develop it. Terrific. And Nick, what have we learned from the report that we might be able to turn into a policy that could paint a better picture for volunteers into the future? Yeah, so I guess a couple of things. One is from a policy perspective, finding ways to support volunteers who haven't been able to continue. Uh, the, the cost to the Australian society of deterioration in mental health outcomes is going to be large. So there's potentially large benefits of finding ways to support Australians who were previously volunteering or who would like to start doing so to, to continue, even if it's in a slightly different way. Um, I think the other thing uh, which our data certainly shows is the high level of trust uh, and the increasing level of trust uh, amongst Australians for for those who who are providing help. So while we didn't ask about trust in volunteers in our April wave, we did ask about confidence in the rural fire service in um, in our January wave, and we certainly found, not surprisingly, that that. Uh, almost exclusively, so I think it was like 93 or so percent of Australians had confidence in the rural fire service compared to less than a quarter in confidence in the in the federal government. Um, and I guess one final point which I'd like to make, and, and it's maybe a little bit of a selfish one as a quantitative social scientist, but we don't really have very good data. Uh, so some of the estimates which we're using come from uh, time use surveys from the mid 2000s uh and i think tracking the 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 contribution which volunteers have made through good data uh and and what and how volunteers are spending their time uh, is one way in which we can see and make that that contribution visible. Well, this has been a fascinating discussion with lots of positive suggestions for how we can recognise and reward and create a new future for volunteers. So thank you both so much, Adrian and Nicholas, for taking the time to talk to us today. Thanks, Mark. Thanks very much. Listeners, did you enjoy today's discussion? I hope you did. If you did so, then you should definitely subscribe to us. We're on Acast, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your favorite pods from. And don't forget to leave us a review. We always love hearing from you and about your ideas. As you know, each week we look at a different topic from a public policy angle, and we're always keen for fresh ideas. So we want to hear from you. Do get in touch with us. You can reach us on Twitter where we are at APPS Policy Forum. That's Apps Policy Forum. Or send us an email podcast at policyforum.net and share your thoughts, ideas, comments or questions with us. Or better yet, join the pod squad on Facebook. We're Policy Forum Pod on there and I look forward to seeing you there. We'll be back soon with another episode of Policy Forum Pod. But until then, stay safe, look after yourselves and one another and cheerio for now.
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.